you think about the traditional front three, including Firmino, and they were close to each other, and they just seem systematically right now. Liverpool are not clicking. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts, and download the OTB Sports app. Now this week, Dublin made their official appointment. They have swapped Galway for Galway. Matty Kenny exiting their hurling management position and he's going to be replaced by the 2017 All-Ireland winning boss with the tribesman Michal Donoghue. His backroom team is effectively in place as well, uh, bringing with them Franny Ford and Noel Larkin and Shane O'Brien, the former Westmead boss, will be both the Dublin under-20 hurling manager for this season and also a selector with the senior squad as well. And Michal Donoghue will be in charge of the Dublin hurlers for the next three seasons. Delighted to say that we've got two-thirds of the hurling pod here now. We've got James Skell, who kept goal in 2017 17, when Galway won the All-Ireland title. Scale, how are you getting on? I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I mean, the first reaction in the WhatsApp, we're on a slight hiatus with the pod at the moment, but we still talk about these appointments and the managerial merry-go-round that's happening at the moment. Straight away, you were like, Dublin have made a really good appointment here. Um, they have, and I, I suppose my reaction in the pod, in, in the WhatsApp group was a bit... Um, it's not for radio. Not for, it's not for radio, but I would, let's just say I was sorry to lose Michal to an opposing county. <laughs> I'll put it that way to you. I just think it's a really good appointment on their behalf. <clears throat> it's a shrewd bit of business to uh, not only get, get Michal, but also get um, you know a vast majority of the management team from 2017 as well in Noel Arkin and Franny Ford. And there also seems to be a bit of a plan in place in having a connection there with Shane O'Brien being the Trinity manager. So you'd imagine that over the couple of years that he'd garner even more top-level senior intercounty experience and then take over the mantle after that. I know it's a long way down the line, but um, it's just a really good appointment on Dublin's behalf. And from a Galway perspective, I know we have a Kikini man in charge of our own team at the moment, but um, being selfish, I'm sorry to see him go. Yeah, well, truth be told, a couple of seasons ago when Michal who left, you would actually want him to stay on, didn't you? I did, I, and I was a very strong advocate for that, to be honest. Uh, I wanted him and all the other... Um, he's, he's members of the management team and the backroom staff to stay on because I just think they created a winning formula now we didn't win every game obviously we didn't win every championship but we certainly had the fundamentals there and a really good backroom team to, to try and help us to succeed um, and I think he's bringing that to Dublin with him now who he gets in, in his greater backroom team will be will, will remain to be seen but he's got two really really strong people two excellent coaches two shoot operators and people who've done it uh, at numerous levels and uh, predominantly senior level also so it's very rare that you can go and get uh, not, not alone an Ireland willing manager but an Ireland willing backroom team to, to back it up as well with it um, that's, that's a strong statement of intent from Dublin Give us an insight then into what they changed when they came in in the winter of 2016 because you know, it's well documented that you guys had come quite close from the 2012 period through to then had a yeah. few near misses in All-Ireland Finals and then ultimately decided by the players that you wanted to change and Anthony Cunningham left what did Michal Donahue and his management team bring when they came in? Um, do you know you hear an awful lot about standards you know you hear this it's like a buzzword when you hear about success, successful teams that they create standards like and everyone will will refer to let's say a team of example like the All Blacks whereby they set standards whether it be on the pitch or off the pitch and they exceed everybody else like and I won't say he did that from the off like but he certainly he certainly gave us that in his first day like that that's what was his intention and he, he gave everyone a fair shot like he, he said he wasn't going to drop anyone from the year previous so everyone had was starting from the same line there was no airs of graces about players who had a higher standing than others everyone had the same shot and he just created this kind of this I suppose operation throughout whereby everyone was expected to just to be be better you know and that's that's very easy for me to say but it, the standards were, were raised in training uh, the players were challenged a whole lot more and um, the emphasis was put on the players to I suppose to um, 
to cater for more responsibilities themselves and that in the heat of battle let's say it was it was our team it was the players team and not to be looking for I suppose excuses to be honest looking for excuses or reasons as to why you lost or reasons as to why you weren't good enough or couldn't compete he just said that the players were in control of this and that he'd steer the ship he'd often say that 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 they, they're the facilitators the players are the main thing so he put the major onus on the players and then tried to facilitate as the best he can with putting um, good people in the back room now, when it comes to Dublin, the argument to be made that Galway had a generational talent in Joe Canning. There was a group of players there who had come very close to getting to the top of the mountain. And maybe it's taken over a different group of players and probably a group of players who've got a very different set of ambitions to what would have happened when he initially went in in Galway. Mm-hmm. But is any of what he brought into your camp transferable now to what Dublin are going to have in the next three seasons? Oh, look, I, I'll be frank about this, OK? Um, I don't beat around the bush, so... Mm-hmm. When he came into Galway, like we were off, the, were off the back of a couple of our Ireland final appearances. You could say we were close, we weren't that close. Like we had contested Leinster finals, etc., and won them, and contested national leagues, and won them, etc. So, like you could say that Galway were, were in a, a position to contend every year, or at least, or at least very close to it. Dublin, I think, you're in a different situation entirely. Like, and it's, it's, it's. When I heard about the appointment first, yes, it was initially. I'd be honest, a bit disappointment to lose a lad of his caliber out of the county. Um, but then I started thinking, what's the objective here? Like, what's a successful season for Dublin look like when Miguel takes over? And I think he'll, I think there'll be wholesale change, not to the group of players or the team, but I just think the whole structure and how they operate. And I don't know where we see much out of Dublin, where we see an awful kick in the first year, um, because I don't know are they are they capable of it? To be honest, like they've, you know, they've let me see now they've, to my memory in their history they've eight or nine All Stars. Uh, I think I think that's 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 the reason what they've produced. Like the, the last Ireland was over. Got eighty years ago, give or take. So, what I think people have to be realistic. What can Dublin actually provide next year? What What's their targets? And if you're if you're going to say because Michal has been brought in, yes, next the manager, but they're going to challenge Limerick straight away. Everyone just slow the roll a small bit, you know, slow the roll. I think this is a project where he needs time to implement his own stance, his his implement his own game plan, his style. And I, as I said, I don't think he'll see a vast amount of huge amount of improvement in year one. I think it's year two, year three, whereby he get Dublin to a certain level and hope they can kick on from there. We've spoken about Owen O'Donnell a few times on the pod and the fact that he committed to the footballers for this summer and realistically he's going to have a decision to make at the end of this calendar year whether he goes in to play hurling or to play football for next year. Was hurling captain last season such an important player key cog to their defence in all likelihood he'd probably be an impact sub if he stays with the footballers like we saw during the summer. Does it maybe make his decision a little bit easier to go back in with the hurlers if he knows there's a top class management team there for next year? Yeah, I think it certainly helps. Um, I think if, like you said, if, if a manager who didn't have maybe the same resume as Michal and his guys had came in, you might see Owen Donald just kind of tailor over towards the footballers. But where, where you got a manager team like, like this now, I think it would be it'd be very disappointing from a Dublin hurling perspective in general that if Owen went with the footballers only and kind of, I won't say abandoned the hurlers, but left the hurlers and chose to go with the footballers. It's entirely his own choice, but I'd be disappointed as a hurling man as well if he didn't go with the hurlers you know just being selfish in that front he's one of the best fullbacks of the country captain of the Dublin team so he's, he'd be monumental loss to them I think the first thing they'll do is try start an element of recruitment if I'm honest I think they'll try obviously secure Owen O'Donnell services I think they'll go back to you know trying to get the likes of Conor Callan see is he interested in seeking to get Anthony going there and just kind of put a few cards in front of him and see what, see what develops but um, definitely securing the services of Owen O'Donnell is, is a vital thing to do because if you lose a player of the of his caliber, it'd be like losing, you know. To be honest, Mike Casey from Limerick, Dahi Burke from Galway. You just can't afford that. Yeah, 
What's realistic for Dublin over the three seasons? I guess Anthony Daly's tenure is probably the yardstick when you look at an outside manager coming in and having success and winning a Leinster and getting to an All-Ireland semi-final. Is that realistic for them given the rest of the shake-up in Leinster currently? Um, I don't think it's realistic in year one. I think there's two very, very contrasting styles of management. I think Anthony Daly is built very much off um, you know, emotion and getting the most out of the player and connecting them to the supporters and whatnot and seeing, you know, kind of maybe a, a bit more heart than head where I think Michal is kind of a good mix whereby he's very methodical um, very you know, their, their tactical orientation is very very skill based and I think if what Michal will put in is more of a long term plan than a short term plan so what's a realistic target for them I think that if he could, if he contested Leinster final in his first year and got into the knockout stages of Ireland Championship that's not a bad that's not a bad season to be honest um, I know people let's say with, with Dublin's population and with, with, with the amount of players they have in their clubs and whatnot, that mightn't be the you know, the level they want to get at, just the level they want to get at, they want to exceed it. Everyone wants in Ireland. But as I said, it's over, you know, 84 years since they won Ireland. So you have to be realistic and kind of really understand the project that's, that's at hand here. It's a big, big task for Michal. He's, again, he'll, I think he'll need the whole three years, Will. I think he'll need every bit of it to try in and build something. Because what, what's there at the moment is good. It's fine. You know what I mean? It'll, you'll, you'll, be, um, you'll be contesting and you'll be participating in the championships but in terms of real serious contending he's going to have to build more bring in 20s bring in the minors you know he's going to work closely with Shane O'Brien to try and get you know the 20s uh, competing heavily in the championship and see can they get some new players in there and build for next year and build for the year after etc so it's a big task look it's a big task but I I think in my honest opinion if there was anybody nationally that should choose to pull out that job you know on a high profile job because it's the capital it'd be him yeah, it's a reasonable gap they have to close too. Like if we were to take Kilkenny as the yardstick within the province of Leinster right now, Dublin were well outplayed in the two games they played against Kilkenny this year, both in the league and also in the round robin. Yeah, and it, it, it was never a question. Of, you know, they weren't outplayed because of strength, you know, or fitness or physique. It was, it was they were outplayed because of of tactical news and skill level. That's that's how they're played, and that usually comes down to the capability of the player, the individual, which then feeds into the capability of the team. So that's the big challenge. Like obviously, everyone will be the same or very close to the same fitness and strength. You would imagine, but getting that that getting that team ticking, whereby the, the the players' best abilities feeds into the team to feed into their best abilities can contest. That's a big challenge, you know. And I I, I just personally don't see it. Like, but but like, obviously, he's not going to go up there um, and just be you know a cog in the wheel of of a, of a championship. And not, he he wants to contest. He's a winner. And like I can guarantee you he was he's been itching to get back into the county championship. And I can also guarantee you he's been approached by other counties. Um I, I don't know have to, I don't have it first hand, but I would strongly assume Watford were in touch, you know, because if you're if you know that you're looking for an intercounty manager and I, mean, I don't know is available, you're going to get in touch with him. So for him to choose the Dublin the Dublin project, um it's a big vote of confidence is him also. So I think it's mutual. It's 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 they they source Michal and he he I suppose accepts the responsibility and accepting the task so they have a lot of work to do but as I said to you and I keep repeating I'll repeat myself he's, he's the best man for it When we went on the August break with the hurling pod we left it kind of on a bit of a cliffhanger what was going to happen with Kilkenny uh, subsequently Derek Ling was then yeah. appointed and at the time you were fairly convinced that Henry Shefflin was going to stay with Galway even if Kilkenny had gone to approach him he wasn't going to walk away from that project after one year and get into a Leinster final and get into an All-Ireland semi-final were you happy to see him stay around for a second season then? I, I was. I was personally delighted. Um, I I just think it's very hard for a manager to you know, implement everything over the course of one year um, because I just think it's very difficult to try and even grasp. 
a full understanding of the county to try to get to know every player that's there. There could be a couple of gems that you might know in a club championship and you might need two club championships or three club championship seasons to see can you dig out any any new players. So I'm happy. I just think it's there's there's a level of continuity for the players there. Like they've gone through a couple of managers in the last couple of years, so it's nice for them to be able to come back into a season whereby they're familiar with Henry and Richie and all the guys and try and build on what they did last year. Last year was a bit it was up down the stages. They they, they won games and performed Admirably, most of their games, the Leinster final being an obvious blip, but then they finished topped off the year, albeit they got defeated, but topped off the year with a great um, a great performance against Limerick and almost pipped them, didn't pip them, but almost did. And that just culminated in, in all the work that they did in, in the year previous. Like, so I'm I'm happy, I'm content, and I just, I, I'm I'm wishful. Like that. I, I keep thinking back, like the only county that has had a, a successful Ireland manager is, is your own county, Will, in... Ooh, Michael Bond and let me see Amy Cregan Amy Cregan 94 so like I'm hoping that we can just kind of break the trend a small bit and, and get, get one step further so it's a big challenge for us also yeah because I think the semi-final performance and the Leinster final were pretty chalk and cheese in the end like the Leinster final Galway were so wasteful and seemed really yeah. off at that night as well we talked about how the puckouts were an issue but the shot selection was maybe even more of an issue and they just kind of gave away freeze that allowed Kilkenny to win the game reasonably limply while they went and had a right good go at this excellent Limerick team in the All-Ireland semi-final I think yeah. they finished the year in a decent position in the end they did I just think they were quite reactive in the Leinster final um, where you had it, where they were just looking at Kilkenny and seeing what would they do and didn't try to nullify that as opposed to what they did against Limerick where they were extremely proactive took the game to Limerick um, took them on big time obviously they went down a couple of points then got a goal uh, after half time and then really stuck in, in, into Limerick for the remainder of the game and they look back and, and I think they'll have regrets as well regrets probably a strong word but they'll see opportunities that where they had a couple of whys and they didn't take them a small bit bit more composure and you execute it better and who knows the result could be different and just we often talk about the Limerick you know last five ten minutes whereby they're so cool and calm and they just they just stuck to their basics stuck to their, their, their same processes the word you often hear and then ground out the results so as you said chalk and cheese performances and like what we're looking for as Galway people we want the, the, the semi-final performance replicated every day because what frustrates us so much and, and, and don't get me wrong I was part of this as a player as well and it should wreck your head on the day as well is that you go out against for example a Leinster Frank Kinney, play poorly and then go against Limerick and play excellent and you're saying there's such vast differences in the performances why can't we get that level of consistency every day like we have against Limerick and produce it across the board and if you do that like you're again you're more than a serious contender you're a very very high challenger to Limerick that's a big challenge for Henry is trying to get that consistency I think over the period of maybe 16, 17, 18 that, that consistency was there which you were kind of going out expecting to win every game um, regardless of who the opposition was so I'd love to see that come back into, into Galway's into Galway's armory bit whereby they, they go out regardless of any league game championship game they're expecting to win because they, they're producing consistent performances across the board Can you ever put your finger on why that consistency might not be there because we were talking about this last night about Manchester United and Liverpool where Manchester United looked awful against both Brighton and oh, their game away from home <laughs> well, particularly away from home against Brentford just a few days before they play Liverpool and straight away you would assume the way United were playing they're going to get wiped by Liverpool on Monday just gone and yet they put in a totally different performance like, as a player, can you ever kind of put your finger on that? Because like, you don't go out to play badly in any game. And in the cases you talked about there, you're talking about two <coughs> big games, the Leinster final, Leinster semi-final, or sorry, an All-Ireland semi-final, and two totally different performances. Yeah, I, I just think it's like, a, I, an awful lot of it is the top six inches as well. An awful lot of it is mentality. Like, if you're, if you're prepared for, um, I suppose, if you're coming from an underdog position, 
you're expected obviously to lose uh, and you're you're kind of nearly your back is up a small bit you're being challenged as a team and as, as, as men let's say that you're you're being put down by opposition straight away and, by the, and I suppose the general consensus out there is you're going to lose that just brings a bit more you know what I mean and it's mixing that fire with, with, with obviously the skills you have that produce these big performance and whereas when the good teams really good teams can carry the, the, the favourites tag really well so Limerick car- carry it excellently you know Liverpool and Man City have carried it for an awful long time you know all the big teams have done it and I just don't know to go away have they carried the favourites tag well in the last number of years? Um, but it's, it's I just think when, when we produce a, a bad performance, it's a culmination of things. First of all, it starts off where we're not mentally in, in, in the right space. I just don't think we're ready for to go after. You know, it's, it's a killer be killed mentality you have to have nowadays in County Hurling. And sometimes I just think we, we wait. <laughs> we wait to see if we're going to be attacked. And if we're not, then we go attack. But if we are, we're kind of going, oh, jeez. You know, in a small bit where you're trying to be reactive in game, which then is too late. I think every every day is a battle nowadays, and I just think if if you've got fifteen hurlers in any jersey that could have a Roy Keane mentality, whereby they treat every game as the same, they treat every game with the same level of importance, the same aggression, the same effort level, you know, you'd have a much better performance across the board. Right. What about Waterford then, having a Davy Fitzgerald mentality over the next few years? Because I'm assuming that's largely why Waterford County Board wanted to appoint him during the year. I think we all got sucked into the idea that Waterford had an incredible panel. They'd just come out of playing some wonderful hurling during the league and then it crumbled in the Munster Championship. Yeah, Is putting a bit of, I don't know, Davy Grit, winning mentality, says himself, he's won everywhere he's gone. Is that why Waterford have appointed him? He's won everywhere he's gone. He's won some things everywhere he's gone to a certain extent. Now, right, uh, I, I'm not going to advocate for Dave Fitzgerald here, but he won Waterford their last Munster Championship that they've won. He won an All-Ireland title when he went in with Clare. He won the Leinster with Wexford when he was with them as well. He's won mm-hmm. multiple titles across schools and third level. Like His, me- his medal collection is impressive. It's impressive, yeah. Um, across third level, our teams were stacked. Mm-hmm. To be honest, um, we had an embarrassment of riches. We had numerous all stars. Um, so when you say he's won, I, I think he's, I think he's picked good teams and associated himself with good teams. That's, um, that's a skill in itself, though. You can make the same argument about Pep Guardiola. Absolutely, I, I don't. I, I'm not trying to hear. I'm not trying to, you know, hmm. piss in his parade in any way. But I just don't think like will he make a huge difference? Like what? To, what percentage of improvement do Watford need on this on this year's performances to challenge? Again, I keep using Limerick. They need 50%, 60% of what they produced in the last couple of games. And does he bring that? I don't know. I don't think so. You know, um, when he last won with Clare, let's say, he had someone like, like a Paul Knurk who does bring that kind of perform- that kind of um, improvement over long- longevity with, with, with training methods, you know, with game models, etc. Like, that's what you get. And I just wonder, is that what's going to be implemented into Watford? I don't know. Now, I, I, I look at it, I'm, I'm interested to see how this all pans out because Watford, we've associated Watford with being very fit, very strong, very aggressive. Um, they've great players that's obvious you know, they're great players but just can they piece it all together under the tutelage of Davy from a tactical perspective you know because as, as I said to you before every team will have the same level of fitness and you know marginal differences in skill let's say when you get to the top levels but tactically speaking let's say uh, and in-game management is, is that there and I just don't know you see and obviously we've seen before Will, where teams that he takes over there's an initial kick you know there's an initial kind of reaction whereby it's, it's, it's fresh it's it's a, it's obviously a new manager. Let's say it's a new style. So he he raises them up uh, through just just sheer will and sheer intent and and his his management methods. You know he nearly brings out more on the players than than they expect from themselves. So I think this year you'll see a kick from Watford. And um, will they go all the way? I'd have to say it'd be very difficult for me to say they will. I, I can't see it. Do the methods? Because you know this into me. Do the methods start to wear off after a while? Is that why there can be a dip? Yeah, over a period they do. Yeah. 
like you just get sick to your teeth them <laughs> straight up like you know like uh, there's only so much I think modern day players um, they can take so much um, emotional communication what I mean by that is if I shouted you will to run faster they can, they can take only so much of that right what players crave nowadays is information how to improve and sometimes running and shouting doesn't exactly do that you know you want uh, and the best coaching is obviously done off the pitch whereby there's little messages sent on how to improve a little tactical issue you know maybe it could even be a life management situation whereby you're trying to get manage your work manage your wife kids whatever it is they say all that feeds into management style and I just think the, the tactic of constant roaring shouting you know etc that just wears off a player after you know a year maybe into the second year it's like okay what's if we're getting better what's different how are we going to change what's how are we going to coach me <clears throat> coach me that's what players want from a coach coach me you say because you can shout at me the supporters will shout at me you know my parents will shout at me but coach me and that's the challenge the raw materials are good though and even if he wants to deploy maybe a different system to the way that Liam Cal was managing them over the last few years and in all likelihood I think even in the interview he did with WLR he was saying that he might be a little bit more conservative he might drop back a second sweeper he has left all these options open we've got very intelligent players there like Tyg de Burke if Conor Prunty is fit again there's possibly the players there to implement exactly the system he wants to play and to play a nice short passing game as well yeah uh, there is like and <clears throat> conservative he's, if he's talking about a second sweeper like one sweeper is okay two sweepers is just completely defending his games are high up they're, they're, they're high high fitness levels um, you know speed a very similar model to what Liam Cattle has been doing um, it's like if you looked at the, the two teams uh, Watford obviously and, and Wexford in years previous and they're going well they had very similar styles whereby they dropped you know sitting a holding six they could say or a holding nine and then run attack um, and then focusing on a couple of big players up front to do, do major damage that's what Liam Cattle had like. So I think maybe he's picking up in a better position than where he, he probably retrieved the Wexford squad. So I don't think he'll too, too, he'll see too many um, dissimilarities from what Liam Cattle produced. Um, there'll probably be minor tweaks and changes in how they operate on game day. But again, I, 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 I just believe that they'll get to a certain level. Like they have the clientele there and I just think they need to form a more structured game plan whereby they nearly go out on 15 and 15 and then try and utilise their best players in the best positions because Watford are stacked with players. You know, if you're to, if you're to see, the, and this is, this was so head wrecking to us in the podcast was we looked at them on, on after their league form, and we looked at them up after the Tipperary game and then into the the, the Limerick group game and the Munster Championship. And you're saying, yeah, they've got the you know they've got the ingredients here to really go and challenge Limerick, and then they just petered out. That's a mental question, and that's a huge question to have over into county team because if you've got all the physical skills, great, but when you dip off uh, and basically fall off a cliff, will <laughs> you know mm. that's a serious mental question and that's a big task to them. I get the feeling on a final note for you when it comes to getting ready for the next year in the inter-county season that with all of this kind of flux and change and even like Galway running into the second year of a project and all the other major teams have been changing management now and whoever would have thought that we would have been chatting about Brian Cody stepping away and a new management team in there in Kilkenny you know, Cork changing Limerick cha- or I'm um, sorry Tipperary changing Waterford changing uh, Wexford only into the second year of a project under Darry Egan as well is this really set up to be very difficult for anyone to actually challenge Limerick next year? Because Limerick have just got such continuity. And even when you're reading in the paper about guys who are travelling away for the rest of this year or you know players who might not be available, it seems there's entire buy-in from a Limerick panel who are already a bit of a distance ahead of the chasing pack anyway. They are, and, and they're, they're quite a distance. And I know like we, we, we look at the likes of Kinney, the Galways, you know, the Corks, and, and we can say that they can... You know, with the right mix and with with the rub of the green, that they can challenge Limerick. But Limerick have this thing where they have, they have continuity and they have a serious um, winning mentality, attitude, 
and they're very humble. So they've got this great mix, you know, of, of, that you see in a successful team. And like when you consider the domination, which is what they've done, you know, four four titles in in, in five years or so to say, that's what domination. That's what Barcelona have done. That's what Man City can do. That's what the New England Patriots can do. So it's very very hard to stop that train wheel, you know. And so if you have people who are chopping and changing positions, management positions, players chopping and changing retirement, etc., from different counties. Like all that feeds into you know not being as as I suppose how would you say as good as Limerick <laughs> straight up you know what I mean because everything has to go well we've often spoke about in the podcast will how how difficult it is to win everything has to go well for you you have to prepare fierce well on and off the pitch you have to you know play very well get some look get your big players to play well get all your matchups correct tactics correct and I think just Limerick have it down to a fine art now it's like we we've, we've often said. They just always have enough. Whatever people throw at them, whatever teams throw at them, a different system, you know, a different matchup, they just always have the answer. So when you put in, you mix that with flipping teams who have uh, some disjoint performances through management changes, etc. You know, it's it's hard to look past Limerick, and here we are still in August. <laughs> so I know we're uh, we're looking into our crystal ball here for for twelve months time. But like, again, if you're if you're to say Limerick for Ireland next year, I don't think anyone would disagree with you. Ah, yeah. Look, I think the scary thing about it too is the fact that they can put back in a two-time hurler of the year in Keane Lynch, who they realistically only had for a few minutes this year because of what happened with his injury, and yes, they were able to overcome every challenge without the guy who has been so key, and yeah. as effectively the guy that pulls the strings for the team, but. Like when you've got just such winners across every line of the field and you've got someone like Gerald Hegarty who can again put in a massive All-Ireland final performance, you're just putting Keane Lynch back in to make that team even better. Yeah, and like I think because Limerick have performed so well in his absence, you know, we, we kind of get um, we get distracted as supporters and as, as neutrals watching the game because if this is our own country, you know, if you look to, the, if I give you an example of Kikini and you took TJ Reid out of the Kikini team or you took an AJ Mullen over, I think you'd see, you know, a decline in the performances. The same way with Galway, if you took out a Conor Whelan or you took out a Dahi Burke, or so, not me or Dahi Burke, but Conor, Conor Whelan, Cahamelian, you'd see a, a big decline. We didn't see any decline in Limerick. So, you know, that's worrisome. So when you add him back into the mix, and Peter Casey, forget, don't forget too, when he gets like a, a club championship and a league, a league into himself, like you've got another all-star coming in there. So you've got multiple all-stars returning to a team that's already dominated the championship. That's frightening. That's frightening. And who knows what they're going to produce? And I'm looking forward to see who doesn't make the team next year, <laughs> because like they 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 had a, a super performance in the final. Um, they'd man the matches all over the park, and, and even from lads you wouldn't expect every now and then. So when you introduce Lynch and Casey, does that mix up again? You know they've an embarrassment to Rich as well. Well, look, we jo- we joked about it, and you were even laughing about it as well because on OTBAM, I was like Dermot Burns came down to have his breakfast, and you were openly saying like Galway 2017, you enjoyed the few days afterwards. Oh, yeah. You've got Burns sitting there with a bowl of fruit on OTBAM and he's talking, like you've got lads like Galan, I think the week afterwards was on the show and he was talking about the fact that they were already looking at video analysis from the All-Ireland final before even going back in with their club. Like, that, that to me, now, eventually you could burn out. That sounds really intense. But on the other side, if you're the opposition, you're hoping that they're half joking here. Joking, yeah. <clears throat> um, they I, could I, be uh, trying to spook someone, Skell. Like, I, I, I was going to use the word there, but I can't use it. I, was, I call BS on that, right? Yes, the, the, the fruit bowl. Fair enough. I give him that. That's that's that, that's evidence you can see right in front of you. But look at the video analysis. Like there, there's, you know, enjoy your victory. You know, are you really actually looking at video analysis? I don't. I don't know. You know, maybe they'll come out now and they'll say yes, we actually were. You know, fair enough if they were. But God, that just sounds so surprising to me. That's just a different level. I don't even know is that even required. 
you know, when you look at a video analysis the week after a final, uh, come back into your club championships, geez, like, what do they analyze? We won the game. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, we won the game and we won it, we won it well, I say, for a finish. So, with big performance from everyone. So, I don't know what they're analyzing. Um, themselves, maybe, or push. I, you, it's, part of me thinks, Will, that there's a bit of propaganda where they put out that out there and maybe other teams looking at it and going, Jesus, this is what we have to do now. And next thing they go, they go and burn themselves out some other way. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's, it's the Cold War effect. Do you think if Limerick are already so far ahead and Kinnert and Kylie are already telling them, like maybe you were a bit off in some parts of the game and they're analysing that before they even come back in after the break, we have to do that bit more and we're going to have to train that bit harder. And the mid-December comes around, we're going to have to be really at top pace for the league. Like this year we saw Limerick, I wouldn't say relax, but definitely they ease themselves into the year a little bit. But do you not think that the same thing will happen again whereby they'll go into the club championships and they'll probably have a holiday at the latter end of the year. They'll probably return training after Christmas into January again. And so we might see something similar whereby the league, you know, they, I won't say the plateau, but they start off at a level and then they actually don't start to, to, to incline until the latter end of the, of the league into the championship. You know, I don't know that they treat the league with, with, with much importance at all. So I think you'll see something very similar. That's why it's so surprising to me when I hear about video analysis. Um, because... It's obvious that their methods are working. So I know everyone pointed at the league, and I was too, and they were saying their performances are quite poor, some of their individual performances are poor, but they won the championship and you know went undefeated and won it you know, comfortable enough, you could say, to a certain degree. So what they've been doing in years previous is categorically working. So I think you'll see them in the Bahamas again in December, and they won't come back training until, until January, and they get the ball rolling again. Yeah, and if Paul Murphy's correct, you probably Sean Finn on the slopes somewhere around Barcelona, uh, <laughs> doing a bit of skiing as well, along with the Kenny Hurlers around that time. That of man year. has more holidays than the rest of you and me put together. Well, there you go. <laughs> We're trying to get the money together uh, for Paul Murphy to afford him for uh, season two of the hurling pod. Uh, before you go, I will have to ask you, what was on your breakfast plate then, Scale after twenty seventeen? Um, I'd be straight up. I didn't eat. I was too right. sick the night before, <laughs> so I just went straight to the bar. <laughs> that was it. Recover- hey, look, you, you, this, this show requires honesty. I give you honesty. Right, recovery of a different type after 2017. Understandable, we need to wait nearly three decades to lift the uh, Lee McCarthy and break in yeah. that streak and bring it across the Shannon. Uh, Skell, great to catch up with you as always. Cheers, Will. Thanks, bud.